From Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network, this is Between Sundays, a conversation about finding the sacred in the everyday. I'm your host, Bobby Soffold. Today on Between Sundays, you'll hear my conversation with Brad Lewis. Brad is a provisional psychologist here in Calgary, and I invited him into our season two conversation, which is all about ugly feelings. But first, one of my favorite things about this episode is how Brad's journey through academics to clinical work is so relatable, like how we start off believing what we know and then end up questioning what we know and then deciding to practice what we know while holding the tensions of belief with honest criticism and everyday human struggle. Brad brings his personal story into this conversation, and I'm so glad he did. The theme for today's Ugly Feelings episode is anger. And in some ways, this is the episode I've been waiting for all season long. What Brad has to say about anger is, and I am not exaggerating, it's life-changing. In this conversation, Brad puts language to something I've felt in my gut for so long. That anger can wake you up to what matters. It's an alert system. You need it. So come with us as Brad and I explore anger, from finding questions to ask our anger, to the place of forgiveness and faith, to an exploration of what anger means for social change. We talk about a lot here. We make Between Sundays on the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region of southern Alberta. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. It's a privilege to make a podcast on this land. So let's get into it. Welcome to Between Sundays. Welcome to the conversation. Today on Between Sundays, I'm having a conversation with Brad Lewis. Welcome, Brad. Thank you. Before we turned the mics on, I was saying to Brad that I thought his name was very much one of those Peter Parker names. (laughs) Like, you think he's Brad Lewis. But he may actually be a superhero, so I thought maybe you could tell us who your favorite superhero is. So my favorite superhero is Superman. Yeah. Because, well, he has it all. He's <laughs> like the quintessential superhero. Okay. How so? Well, he's got all the powers. He's like yeah. super strong, he can fly, super fast. Basically, everyone's based off of him. You know, I never thought about those things. Yeah. I know that I like the 1978 first movie. Uh, it just feels very nostalgic to me, mm-hmm. but I didn't think about all of his powers or how other people would be built. Other characters were built off of him. I think he was actually technically the first like in tight superhero. Really? I think so. Yeah. I'm going to fact check this at the end. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no, I'm you're confident. Sure. <laughs> no need <laughs> right. to fact check Brad Lewis. <laughs> <Da-da-da-da>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. So, Brad, you're connected to the Commons community. You attend services with your spouse, Alicia, Mm -hmm. and even some of your extended family. Yeah. yeah. Like parents on both sides. Both sides, yeah. Which is incredible. And is it true that you attended Commons before Commons existed? 
Like, were you a part of the community that existed in this space before Commons was Commons? Yeah, it's yeah. actually, it's kind of interesting because, uh, so when I started dating my current spouse, Alicia, only spouse. Alicia, yeah, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, this is this was her home church. So yeah. she grew up here. Um, I think her parents, like, no, they, they started coming here, but yeah. Um, but the funny thing is before, like, the churches, because it was unedited before. Right. Think, there right? was a community called Unedited, and then there was Kensington Road Covenant, which yeah. is where Alicia and her family attended. Yeah. So when I was going out with Alicia, like, she was going to both. Oh, she was? Yeah. Okay. And then I just remember current, kind of just hearing rumors and that, like, the name Jeremy, like, and then, like, yeah, the churches merged, and it was like, whoa. Right. Like, at least for my life experience, it made sense. It's like, oh, these two new churches are just... Yeah. In one place now. Yes. Kind of yeah. Because so. you were already kind of bridging them through relationship. Yeah, exactly. So what was, can you tell me more about what that experience was like for you? Because I think a lot of people who attend Commons now have no sort of sense of what was in this space before. Like, what was it like to have been a part of Kensington Road and then to be a part of Commons? Do you have um, a few descriptions of that? Yeah. Experience? Well, I remember it was like, it was a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, but it was really tight and close. Mm -hmm. Like these people had known each other for years. Like yeah. I was actually kind of like newer to the people who were here kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, it was tight knit. Mm -hmm. Um, all the young adults kind of hung out together. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then when, uh, I guess the churches, churches started to merge. It yeah. Was, I like that language. Yeah. Merge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was weird because like I was shocked that was happening. Like it was just it seemed un ironic, I guess, that it was happening, yeah. but it also just seemed normal and right. Huh, interesting. Um, like, it was like, yeah, that that fits. It wasn't disruptive. Sense. Not at all, yeah. no. Yeah, it wasn't like, um, yeah, I think merging is the right one. Like, it didn't feel like a church was taking over or anything like that, but, like, mm -hmm. it seemed like a natural uh, kind of growth, almost, mm -hmm. in a sense, yeah. Yeah, I always think it's so interesting to think about, because I joined Commons and the team at Commons after the merge mm -hmm. and I but I know that kind of community that exists before something like commons happens that's like like you said really tight-knit long-time relationships like was Alicia baptized here like it, I think so if she wasn't she very well could have been like she, that's kind of the length of relationship right that yeah people attended church together they baptized their kids. Their kids got married here. Like that yeah. kind of long-term, decades-long mm. relationship. But then also the struggle to like have a vibrant community that's that you can keep the building up. Like those yeah. those sorts of pressures on on like small communities that are so tight knit, but just really struggle with an imagination for what could be next. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like. Again, I think Alicia would probably speak to this better, but right. for me, like, that was a surprising thing is it didn't feel like uh, that community was going to be lost yeah. or anything like that. Like, they didn't, like, obviously that was on everyone's mind because that's the first thing you think of when, like, a new church kind of comes in with a larger congregation, but yeah. it just, the process didn't feel that way. Like, uh. it was kind of, it made sense. Right. Yeah. I don't know for whatever reason, but right. it felt that way. Yeah, yeah. Lots, lots of things that can probably be named, but even things that can. I think yeah. the quality of of humility, you know, it, on, mm -hmm. I think both sides of like the leadership, mm -hmm. like yeah. moving together, I think is like quite exemplary Yeah, that there was probably space for people to process the change and yeah. then lean into it. There yeah. had to have been, yeah, which yeah. is remarkable to me. 
So, Brad, you are a psychologist. Now, do we so want I gotta, to use that? So I want to be clear. Yes, a provisional? Uh, is that yeah, language? Registered provisional psychologist. Got so it. Okay. I have my training wheels on. Okay, that's a really helpful metaphor. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I tell my clients, but... Um, but I'm registered to, uh, to the, uh, college, the college. Yeah. (laughs) Association college. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Okay. And what is this process like for you this next chunk of time? Like, what does it mean to be provisional? Like you have another exam to take, you have some hours to, is that it? Yeah. So I have, I think it's 1600 hours I have to, uh, fill, um, which sounds crazy, but it's, it's, Full, it's like a year of full-time work. Okay. Um, and then there's currently two exams. So there's like just your general knowledge uh, of psychology exam. Um, and then you have your ethics exam. Um, I'm glad for both of those. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? well that's the point. Like it's to assure the public that we're actually like ethical and uh, at least meet some standards. Um, but I'm a little worried. There's talks of a uh, another exam and... I just want to be done with school. Yeah, I don't want to do any yeah. Tests, because you have finished your grad school. No, you have. <laughs> so that's yeah. This is my next question, actually, because your path is quite interesting to bring you to this place of registered yeah. provisional psychologist. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? So yeah, so mine's a little messy. My story with uh, school. Um, so I did my undergrad in psychology. Okay. Um, when I went to university, that was the original plan, was to become a counselor. Um, but as you do through university, you find new interests and stuff like that. Um, and I really liked like the philosophy courses I took and stuff like that. Um, and I met a prof in the psych department who, uh, at least in my mind, kind of married those two worlds. Like his work was kind of philosophical, like less like, dry research kind of based um but yeah still within the could you give me a sense of like what that means exactly like like blending philosophy like what would be an example or like an illustration of my goodness of that um i'll have to think so so okay so my old supervisor so i i moved on to do my uh a master's in psychology uh in social psychology um it was with this prof that i found and he was my supervisor um, and, uh, he was interesting because he was kind of like a, a critical psychologist. So he, mm. he kind of made his career on critiquing, um, typical psychological research and stuff like that. Um, so basically most research in psychology is like cognitive psychology. Um, so basically you're trying to look at like schemas in people's minds and like, uh, a good metaphor to explain that is that like that's our our software that we kind of run on kind of things and um so we're trying to understand people's softwares um a big word is like bias so you're trying to recognize how our softwares have biases and stuff like that and how can we correct them um but uh my prof uh didn't agree i guess with that kind of conceptualization of psychology uh and he had just a lot of interesting things like Okay, here's the words. So he's a social constructionist, okay. uh, but he was interesting because he he would explain things so well. So he would say that most research uh, was kind of hard to like make the claims that some people were making because oh. uh, you kind of what's the word gerrymander or whatever. Ooh, okay. Um, 
so yeah, kind of the results you get are kind of, yeah. Um, And it makes sense in kind of a typical like uh, experimental design because you Mm. want your uh, dependent variable and uh, man, you know, those words. Okay. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) those words. But like the whole goal is to like get rid of uh, variables that might kind of uh, get in the way of identifying like causal mechanisms, stuff like that. Mm. Um, But my prop is interesting because he's saying like, yeah, but what you do is you kind of clean up uh, other kind of things that people do or whatever. You kind of put them in an artificial situation Mm. and then they'll act as the rules of that artificial situation. Oh, interesting. Um, So, and yeah, so and I liked a lot of the ideas he had and stuff like that and he kind of. Uh, he was like a his- historian too, so he knew the history of how uh, like psychology as an experimental discipline came about and stuff like that. And it was, huh. yeah, it was interesting. Right. <laughs> so you you sort of had the experience. If, correct me if I'm wrong. That he kind of sat you sat you down and was like, "This field, yeah. is kind of over." So I finished that in master's, and my goal was to do the PhD, right. pursue the academic life, or whatever. Um, but yeah, his field was not, cause that's not typically what most psychological research does. So mm-hmm. he kind of sat me down and told me like what the prospects of that kind of future that must would have be been hard for you and for him, like to have loved this field and to explore yeah. it so broadly. And then to turn around to the person you're mentoring and say like, sorry, pal, like this road isn't going to go somewhere for you well and i really like it, it was tough but i yeah. really appreciate it um because yeah like i didn't want to have to leave the country to find like an opportunity to even try to like find a job i didn't want to do a phd and then do a postdoc and then still have no guarantees and right. stuff like that so yeah. um let alone like what that asks of the people in your life yeah exactly that, well yeah beyond your work yeah no alicia and i got married during that degree so that right. was yeah Right. So my roots were here. So it was right. it was an important conversation. Mm-hmm. A uh, gift even. Yeah. Even though it was hard. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So you have moved then from so much, from a place of theory mm-hmm. to a place of practice. Yeah, yeah. Which is really interesting. Like I, I'm sure people maybe like haven't had that exact story, but that sort of like you set out on a road and you think it's going to be a certain thing. And like, I like that you yeah. use the word messy. Like that just yeah. feels like, yeah, like I can relate to that even if that wasn't, you know, exactly my experience and whatever. Well, that's the but... thing. It, things didn't go according mm-hmm. to plan, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most typical experience, I think, mm-hmm. uh, with pursuing anything in life. Totally. But... What's so interesting, though, is like you started your pursuit in education towards counseling. And then you took this winding road sort of away from the practice, yeah. but now you have returned to it, but there's no way that you're the same person as if you would have stayed on that exact road. Oh, not the beginning. at all. Yeah. Can you identify any of the things? Like what does this, like what is that sort of foray into theory change about the kind of therapist that <laughs> you might be? Well, that's the thing. So I'm trying to like professionally now, like trying to kind of reconcile those kind of I like that word. <laughs> two brains. Yeah. Cause that was the thing. Like, uh, yeah, I dabbled into like critical psychology. So I, I'm kind of trained to like deconstruct kind of some of these ideas and kind of um, be a little suspicious of these kind of mm. ideas. Um, but now that I'm practicing, it's like, that's good. Like you want to understand what you're doing and those are the limits of what you're doing kind of thing. But sometimes 
you have to trust these kind of techniques or you have to right. even go ahead when they're not like guaranteed you gotta try it out because mm-hmm. your your goal is to uh help another person kind of right. thing so it makes yeah. me think of like you looking down at the toolbox and you're like wait these are the tool <laughs> like well i gotta use them like these are the tools i have in my training like you're yeah it's a it's a different sort of practice well i i think one of my weaknesses is that i'm a perfectionist um so sometimes that critical part of my brain is like this does not work 100 percent of the time i can Here's the reasons why it should work, da da da. But it's like, yeah, I like but your it's... perfectionist voice. <laughs> <laughs> we all have one. Yeah, exactly. I gotta push up my like glasses. But that's not really the point. Like, you wanna, like, of course, you wanna uh, pick a practice that is like, well, of course, ethical um, and effective. Um, but you can't, like, you're dealing with people, so yeah. nothing is a hundred percent. You have to work with someone. That's right. Kind of it's the... much more organic. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and so now you are doing some private practice. No, you're working with a group of therapists in uh, a private practice. Yeah, it's a, it's a private, a private practice. practice. Okay. Yeah. So you're doing that work. And also you were doing some school programs. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So I was doing like a what they would call a social emotional learning program. So I went into yeah. schools and just taught skills on social skills and emotional skills and stuff like that. And now that kids aren't in school because this is the time of life of COVID-19. Did that just totally put a halt to all of that work or is there any way that you're still carrying some of that on? Yeah. So that was contract work. So I wasn't like uh, an employee, if you will. So, excuse me. So I I lost my contract with that. Um, I'm hoping to pick up again in the fall. So, but um, yeah, well, I guess if I make a plug, it's with a company called Can Learn. Okay. Um, and they're, they are in the process of trying to, at least for uh, the spring, make an online version of oh, what they were typically okay. doing. So, That's yeah. what I was wondering because I thought, oh, like those skills, those taught skills are still very much needed, mm-hmm. maybe even more so yeah. in this moment. Exactly. But your, your contract was like, yeah, terminated. So I was curious to know if there was something. I didn't know that it was an organization that's like working to be like innovative that's an interesting thing about this time is like it's forcing all this innovation yeah uh like these programs probably should be in online spaces well yeah well it just makes it it makes it like for me like these programs are just so important because like even before the pandemic like these are just important skills for for kids to be able to handle anything that kind of comes up or to have these skills for when those adult problems come up and right. stuff like that. So, Can you yeah. just say a little bit more about what exactly you taught kids? Oh my goodness. Um, well, it was a huge program. So we had like, I think it was like 16 sessions, I guess you would call it. So we went in for two months, uh, twice a week. Um, we taught, um, oh, some teachers out there might know this, yeah. uh, zones of regulation was kind of the one. Okay. So uh, basically kind of letting kids be aware of their emotions um and kind of build strategies to move uh their emotions oh. so um i'm trying to remember the zones there's like a green zone and that's like the good zone yeah there's a yellow zone a red zone and then uh dynamite zone dynamite. <laughs> um a blue zone i think was the okay. other one um and so we taught kids like the blue emotions zone is like lowest energy and then yellow is like I'm starting to get a little excited. Okay. I'm not out of control, but I'm kind of okay. activated. And then red is like, 
right out of control. Oh. Um, and green's that like optimal zone where okay. like you're not low energy, but you can focus on something. Oh. Um, yeah. So that's an example of one yeah, of the, the that's great. sessions This just gives had. us yeah. like, yeah, some illustrative things. Yeah, things. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Uh, a couple other interesting things about you. You're a new homeowner. Just congrats. Thank you. I've been enjoying the projects that you guys have been doing by way of uh, Instagram stories, painting, light fixtures. Yeah, I didn't set myself on fire or anything like that. So good. Trying your hand at some new skills. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You guys have a dog? Yeah, Rosie. Nice. (laughs) Any other interesting fun facts about you, Brad? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I like the chat. Uh, nice. Pizza's my favorite food. Okay. Uh, favorite old movie. Favorite old movie. So my favorite movie of okay. all time is A Clockwork Orange. Oh. Um, because I was an edgy teenager and saw that movie and thought it was cool, but I've liked it ever since. So, okay, it yeah. stuck with you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So in this conversation today, we are going to explore the theme of anger. And I really want to look at a lot of different aspects around the theme. I like themes too. I just like, (laughs) I like to think about themes. I like to connect things. So that's our topic. We're going to explore it from all different angles. Uh, One of the words that came up when you and I chatted about this theme was the word resentment as well and making some connections there. So hopefully we'll get into that. Um, What, just to back up a little bit, I'm curious about your take on some things. Sure. (laughs) What are you noticing about this moment of COVID-19, self-isolation, quarantine? Uh, What are you noticing from your perspective of like mental health or psychology when we, when you kind of look around at this moment? Are there things that really stand out to you? It's actually kind of funny because the clients that I've been seeing, they've, they've been doing really well. Whenever I ask about it, they're they're like, yeah, like it's, it's, it's a thing now we have to deal with it, but they're doing okay. Wow. At least that's what they say. No, but, (laughs) but it's, it's interesting though. Like it's, it's one of those things where at least I can say from personal experience, like you're kind of surprised by things. So even just the other day, like I was, uh, well, I'm actually pretty fortunate because I can work from home. Um, and even just like moving into a house, there's like projects to do so I can stay busy. Um, but the things I typically do when I'm kind of stressed out or kind of want to burn off some steam, didn't realize this, but they're all outside the house and they're like simple things. Like I just going to grab a coffee or, or going to uh, chapters to just browse. Just look around books. books. Oh my gosh. That Um, is a sacred practice actually. Yeah, (laughs) it is though. Yeah. It really is. But now I can't do that. So it's like, oh, like I'm, I have to learn to like maybe sit with the stress or, or I got to find new ways in the house to kind of deal with this. And that itself is kind of like, ah, oh, it's jarring because I have to I have to figure this out kind of mm-hmm. thing while I'm still like kind of feeling anxious or totally. stressed, right? Um, I like that word jarring, actually. Like yesterday, I was really aware that I was grumpy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that, yeah. That is like struggling to kind of name it. But I think I just honestly felt kind of jarred again. <laughs> and that's, but I think that's it. It's like, it's... Uh, you're not quite aware because these are just, we're going to talk about emotions and feelings, but you're just, you're just feeling kind of whatever, not thinking about it. And then something you don't expect happens and you're just, your reaction's bigger to it Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that. It's just a a higher like level of 
of stress or anxiety is just kind of happening. Yeah. Uh, if, and we're like swimming in it. And like you can't really go anywhere. Yeah. Even when we're sleeping. Like my yeah. dreams are different yeah. right now. They're they're just a different kind of vivid. They're kind of like a different kind of stress scenarios. You know, yeah. they're not like so intense. But I wake up being like, oh, I didn't even escape this moment in the night. <laughs> well, that's yeah. and that's the thing. Like it's uh, we we're in this situation. It's it is stressful. It is disruptive. Um, and it kind of brings like the smaller annoyances up a level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think an important, an important message is like, yes, like you are allowed to be upset. Now you are allowed to be struggling with this because it's a pandemic and we're all struggling and we're all surprised in the ways that it struggles. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'm kind of hoping, like, I almost feel like, well, I'm trying to use it this way myself, but using this as an opportunity of just okay, like this is, I'm aware of my emotions now. I aware, I'm, I'm forced to be aware of how I kind of react to these things. Um, so maybe it's a chance to kind of look at it or kind of mm-hmm. take it up um, or learn new strategies that'll be super fruitful when mm-hmm. we're out of this kind right. of thing. So. I ran into some educators at the grocery store. Uh, okay. Like it was over two weeks ago. So early on in our adjusting to this new reality. Right. And I was so, I was feeling pretty negative about the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not an overly negative person, but I definitely was like feeling kind of critical and negative and maybe just aware of like how I was just struggling. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting because I said, how are you guys doing? This is a, somebody who's like a head of school, uh, you know, the partner teaches young kids mm. and they had this look of like, this is good. Like this isn't, mm good moment for the kids in our school to learn about themselves to learn about the world and they just had this ability like they sort of it felt like they took my head which was (laughs) sort of looking down and just lifted it a little bit and I'm not saying that it's that easy for anyone like this is a a time of incredible loss for some real fear and I we do not take that away or we do not want to minimize that yeah but from their perspective, teaching kids in a fairly affluent space, they thought oh, th- these kids are going to learn something so important in this moment. And mm-hmm. I, I, I really appreciated that openness and interest in like what we could learn mm-hmm. in the moment. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Let's talk about some definitions. So would you define feelings and emotions differently or like I tend to use those words pretty interchangeably, but yeah. I'm curious to know, is that, what so, do you think? Yeah, at least in my understanding. So I would say they're, they're different, but of course they overlap. So, um, cause you can have feelings that aren't, uh, nameable or described or, uh, descriptive, oh, I guess. Yes. So, um, what we were just talking about, like yeah. just the sense of this amorphous kind yeah. of sensation yeah exactly like you can uh yeah just feel off or kind of um when you're upset you can just like feel different where um i feel like emotions are kind of more uh descriptive and kind of like moral based i guess you could say like i am upset about or i am angry about this or um uh kind of relates to something out in the world so like Um, you should have done this kind of thing or okay. that kind of stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of a really good example there. I would say they're different. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll have to come back to yeah, that. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Let's yeah. do that. So because I appreciate that you sort of have your feet in these two worlds, like a theoretical world and a practical world, I wonder what you could say about feelings in a more theoretical Okay. Like, and I was yeah, thinking yeah. about even just like, what do the books say? And yeah. then when we think about what you would say about feelings in a practical space, I was thinking about like, what do our bodies say? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, like, what do the books say? What do our, what's our sort of experience of the thing? So do you have any, does your brain go to any, any place when you think about sort of the theory? Well, yeah, I think, I guess I was almost saying that with like the moral kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah with the critical psych kind of thing, there's, there's an interesting kind of resistance to this idea of like, uh, like universal emotions so that every culture has the same like core emotions. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because there's, their cultures actually do have these distinct emotions that, um, don't happen in other cultures and stuff like that. Um, so that's always kind of made me think like, well, yeah, like emotions have to have some kind of social, or like, or, or moral basis or like how it's, it's this response to how we, we should behave or how we expect others to behave and, and stuff like that kind of huh, thing. Okay. Um, so I guess that's what I was trying to say is the difference you, between feelings and uh, Right. Emotions. Can yeah. you think of one example of a, an emotion in another context that's different than what we would know? Yeah, I, like trying- I remember thinking or reading something about like different words for a different thing, like where we yeah. have one word for anger something like the German language must fact check this has <laughs> yeah. five, you know, like, is that yeah. an example of, I would say that's an example yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know I'm just, it's been a while. I know I'm trying to, you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't give a specific example because okay. I have one in mind, but I don't even remember the word that it was or where it came oh, from. But okay. I just remember it was like a term that did not fit easily into like the, what you would consider like the main universal emotions or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then what about any sort of like practical things that you would say about feelings in terms of like the practice or like what we experience in our bodies? Um, why? Well, th- well, first thing is that, uh, we're allowed to have feelings. Hmm. Um, and I think that, sounds like a simple thing to say but i think that's kind of tough sometimes right um, what do you mean by that tough so with hard with the messy emotions right <laughs> like sometimes it's hard to to sit with that and kind of go with it and sometimes is that where your language of morality comes in because i haven't thought yeah. about morality and emotions like that that's new to me maybe the word i'm thinking of is prescriptive like i think it, oh. it comes from like Ew. that's what i was trying to say it's like almost social it's like it's yeah. almost ex- that you you learn you when you grow up you kind of learn um what's the appropriate way to feel about ah. a certain situation um how should you feel when somebody does this somebody does that kind of thing um how yeah. should you feel interesting yeah hmm. um but I was going to say, I don't know. I probably took you far <laughs> off your path there, <laughs> but I oh, think, but you were yeah. saying it's, it's, did you say the word good, good that we feel? What it was your word? Like we, we have emotions. We, we feel have them. emotions. You're allowed. Yeah. You're allowed. Yeah. You're allowed to have your emotions and it's important to kind of, yeah, it can be tough to sit with like the hard emotions. Um, mm. 
Um, and sometimes I guess coming with that moral thing, we feel like, um, we shouldn't have certain emotions. We try to like push them away kind of thing. Um, and as a person who tends to over intellectualize things, like (laughs) sometimes, uh, I guess is what I'm trying to, the contrast to like the, the book or the critical psych is like, um, sometimes you can talk away or like think away emotions, but that never like they're real. They're there mm-hmm. regardless of like how you learn them or right. um, where they come from. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. I do some spiritual direction and at different ha- times I've seen therapists in my life and have been asked questions in that setting. And I go into like either a story or like different sort of, I don't know if justifications is the word, but sort of like the structure of the thing in my brain. And yeah. I'm always coach to like but like drop into it what does it feel like in your body like how do you feel and I just feel anger when I I get asked those (laughs) questions I'm like I'd rather just tell a story (laughs) let me do my thing yeah Yeah. but uh I I, I, part of the reason for this season is personal for me I'm really Mm -hmm. curious about emotions and emotional resiliency in my own life I know that Mm -hmm. I feel anger Mm -hmm. a lot but like what does it mean to like feel some of the complexities of that Mm -hmm. or um yeah yeah. and i i think that's what i was trying to touch on before with like the experience of the pandemic now it's yeah it's it's pushing us like it's it's uh we're for yeah it's just it's harder to deal with things like we did before kind of thing it's right yeah yeah, or like you were mentioning, the kind of tools that you've normally soothed yourself with. Yeah. I'm just going to go get a coffee. I'm going to have like this destination. I'm going to walk around a bookstore. Yeah. That's taken away. And yeah, you're forced. Exactly. So different. it's. You're forced. Yeah. yeah. I live with somebody who is so intuitive <laughs> and is always quite intuitive towards me. It's very like great at sort of sense sensing and he'll say like i'm sensing like what are you feeling and i'm like i don't know <laughs> ah! but i really appreciate it. like gentle sort of coaxing me towards my own ugly feeling and my yeah. own sort of emotional resistance yeah, to yeah. things so uh, i'm getting a lot of that from my good partner which is like <laughs> How are you? Do you need a snack? <laughs> Let's have a talk. <laughs> it's it's funny too. Uh, when Alicia and I were first going out, um, and before I went into counseling too, that was that was a joke. I was like, uh, Alicia would call me a robot. <laughs> She'd be like, "What a word!" Yeah. And then whenever like I showed emotion, she's like, "There, you could do it." <laughs> she's good. She's your yeah, super emotional hero. So let's talk about anger. What are the, I've been calling it like emotional siblings or cousins to anger. Like what's kind of around anger? Who hangs out? You know, if we were sort of to personify. (laughs) What's that neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. What's the neighborhood? Yeah. Who lives down the street from anger? Yeah. What are some um, emotions that come to your mind? Um, Yeah. I feel like it's those like going back to the zones of regulation. It's Mm -hmm. the red zone kind of thing. So yeah. yeah, I would think like kind of frustration, um, well, anger's there, or um, yeah, like dissatisfaction, mm-hmm. or um, yeah, I'm just trying to, I remember when we talked, uh, like a pre-discussion we had before yeah, we were doing we this. Yeah, when we had coffee at a coffee shop. Yeah, when And that, sat down at a table. <laughs> very different times, <laughs> very different times. Time. Right, um, you're t- trying to think about some of the words that came up then. Yeah, I just remember I was saying something to the effect, like, I feel like sometimes... Again, coming back to like uh, the uh, 
the moral thing. Mm. Okay, you're making me riff. I'm like oh, riffing thinking is, while I'm podcast. talking. Yeah, it's great. Um, I love a riff. But yeah, sometimes anger can be like a, described as a secondary emotion. So it, yes. it's a response to an emotion okay. to yourself. Sometimes, I'm still so. thinking about that. Okay. Like, yeah. let's, let's, like, let's go further into that idea if sure. we can. Because I honestly don't think I'd heard that before we had had coffee. Because uh, I often think, oh, I feel angry. I feel mad. Um, and in some ways, it's motivated me towards some really good things, some things I'm really proud oh, of good. in my life. Good. Uh, but you named this idea that I just like this bit of information that it is a, a secondary emotion is that right yeah yeah so talk more about <laughs> what that means like what so so do i picture like if i peel back my anger i'm actually gonna see something else there is that so visual? I, was, I was trying to think about this actually earlier today how i would actually describe this but i i almost want to use like the metaphor of like it's it's almost like an alarm oh um so it's kind of one of those things that like lets you know uh, something inside is needing attention kind of thing. Okay. Um, so like I often think of, uh, sometimes people get really angry when they're confronted with something that makes them very scared. Yes. Okay. So it's a way to address fear by, you know, often like externalizing it or whatever, or, um, when somebody feels, uh, really sad, um, they can, yeah, it'll, a secondary response would be like angry at whatever's making them sad or mm. um, even just having that emotion can be, uh, make someone angry kind of thing. Right. Um, that's helpful. That word alarm, that metaphor is really helpful. Yeah. And that's what I would suggest. Like if, I, I feel like sometimes like, okay, no emotion is a bad emotion. Right. Like every emotion's good. Um, so I feel like, yeah, with anger, sometimes it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like something, something's going on. Something's telling me that I yeah. need to pay attention to exactly. something. Yeah. yeah. Something really matters to me right now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would you, if we were to kind of like, if there was a, a chart of emotions or something, I mean, there are all kinds of different like color wheels of emotion, whatever. Oh yeah. But like, yeah. what are the, what are the opposites of anger? Sometimes it can help to understand a thing by exploring its opposite. Like if um, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, maybe because it, maybe it's more complicated to name because of this like alarm system. Maybe yeah. it's, it's a little, I don't know if easier is the right word to figure out what the opposite of sad is, but yeah. what would that, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know if I, I know there are feeling wheels. Yeah. Um, feeling I don't know wheel, what's adjacent it. to it or right. whatever. Yeah. But, okay. Um, I don't know. Like, I honestly, I don't know what the opposite would be kind okay, of thing. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I'd i want to stick with the, just the idea that it's, it's just an alarm. Like, it's, yeah. it's letting you know that something's up. Okay, um, I like that. I'd almost say, like, there's nothing necessarily about anger where you should, like, just shift right out and try to have the opposite emotion for it. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, that could be dangerous, unhealthy. Well, that's, like, you don't want to get away from it before you feel it or move through well that's it. a yeah like you don't want to suppress it because that's suppress it, yeah like like an alarm in a house like if, or you're like morning alarm like then you um, sit in the house while it burns yeah <laughs> yeah well that's exactly it. it's like whatever um, attention uh that's this alarm is trying to make you pay attention to or whatever is just right. not being addressed kind of thing right. or, so what makes you mad brad oh man <laughs> um 
lots of things. Yeah. Um, not getting what I want. Yes. Sometimes. Oh, good. Um, yeah. I okay. I'm relatively a relatively impatient person, and I mean that in the sense of like. Uh, I want to do, like, if there's something that needs to be done, I want to do it now. Or okay. if I want to get something, I want to get it now kind of thing. So I find sometimes that makes me angry. Um, uh, yeah, well, I guess injustices in the world mm-hmm. also make me angry. Um, yeah. Is there anything that comes up in in your practice that makes you really angry? I mean, not specifics, obviously. Yeah, of course. But, you know, are there sort of themes that come up that you feel like, oh, this one's hard for me. It makes me so angry. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more from, like, practicum. So I used to work at a place that was, like, a walk-in clinic. So we saw a lot of, basically, like, crisis kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, for me, a tough thing is, like, child abuse at home is kind of, uh, it's a hard topic, and it's hard to not just, like, shake right. someone and tell them that they're doing it wrong and stuff like that. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, that makes sense. So the hard stuff. Yeah. The hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 What can you talk about how anger is different for different people? Uh, like I sure. was thinking about like for some, for some people, like we brood, you know, for other mm-hmm. people, if we're angry, we cry. You know, that sort of, like, the sort of varieties or the many faces of anger. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? So in terms are, of, like, exploring how we spot anger in our lives. Um, mm. um, you know, so, like, you know, we think about the cartoon, like, you know, like, someone's the top of their head going off and, like, smoke smoke coming out their ears or something. Like, What are the signs? Yeah, that's great. That's great. What yeah. are the signs of anger? I like that. Um... I don't, honestly, I'd, I'd say like recognizing kind of, uh, the different areas of like activation, oh. that might be a weird, weird word to say, but, um, actually it's funny cause this is one of the things we talked about, uh, with the kids. Oh, I love this. I love yeah. like kid talk around emotions. <laughs> I always feel like, why didn't anybody teach me that? Maybe they did, but I don't, I well, actually don't think when I was growing up, it is, there it, was a lot of taught it, teaching around this. Yeah, it's a relatively new thing. Like actually my thesis is on social emotional learning, so oh. my current thing. Okay. Um and that's it's relatively relatively new. I think the term came around the 90s and I think it's just at least with some of the teachers I've talked to it's just kind of come around. Oh, like, past, I was like, in college in the 90s. There you go. <laughs> there you go. We completely missed it then. <laughs> totally missed it. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so what, actually one of the activities we had for the kids was like, it was like a, just an outline of a body. And it's just okay. like, where, where do you feel like in your body anger? Um, and can kids do that exercise? I yeah. really struggle with that question. I have not, people ask me that. I'm like, I have no effing idea. Like yeah. I feel everything right up in my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that makes sense for adults, right? Like huh. for kids develop developmentally, like they don't have the same cognitive yes. skills. Okay. Okay. Like, um, you know, as an adult, you learn to trick yourself or right, kind of, right. uh, try not to feel right. Anger, like right? take the shortcut around the thing or something, yeah. the long way around maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So did, when kids would see this diagram, was it, did they all like, is there sort of a consensus of where they would feel something like anger? No, there's a variety. So yeah. So it was kind of focused on like their body. So they would like in your fists, so there was like clenching fists or, 
something like kind of like butterflies in your stomach, like you feel something kind of in your stomach or uh, if you're sweating in your armpits or feeling red in your face kind of thing. Like that's mm. how you know uh, that you're angry. Huh. Yeah. That's a really helpful signs of anger. So sometimes people say, and even our language around alarm, um, mm-hmm. say to like be curious mm-hmm. about what it's there to show you or tell you. But could we drop that down like another level to like what does that even mean? How do we begin to like what, what do we talk to ourselves about in these <laughs> moments? Like, okay, be curious about that sensation in my body. Like, what mm-hmm. is that really like to be curious? I feel like it's a word we use a lot. And I mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, what do we mean by that? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess how I would describe that is, well, it's the first step of being curious is like recognizing when it's happening. So okay. um, I guess the science is a good example. Like, okay, like I'm feeling... I'm feeling this weird kind of almost like butterfly sense in my stomach. Um, simple question of like, okay, what's, what's going on? Um, and if you're angry, kind of like, okay, like I would say, uh, just pursue like, what am I angry about? What are maybe try to differentiate other, other feelings other or other emotions that are kind of going on mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like even a little checklist for yourself. Like, am I sad? Am I confused? Am I scared? Yeah, like yeah, exactly. I could yeah, imagine yeah. that would be helpful for me. <laughs> what? Well, yeah. What else is going else? on, kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like one of the, at least one of the things I do with with clients is uh, so I try to. Well, I'm doing a lot of different styles, but I predominantly use what's called solution focused. Oh, what does that mean? Um, so it's a style therapy that's solution focused, but <laughs> um, the idea is you're kind of more focused on um. I guess defining a clear goal and kind of finding, um, finding and expanding the the resources and skills that people already have to um, address the specific goal. Um, okay. So it's really kind of a strength based kind of kind oh, of focus. Oh, okay. Rather um, than like these are all the things that happened to me, isn't this? Like, there's a place yeah. for that, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, retracing the past, but it sounds like this is like where are you right now and where do you want to get? Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, well, it's less diagnostic, like you don't diagnose necessarily, but you're like, okay, let's, what, what do you have that will help with this problem kind of right now? And do you also ask like, what are you missing or can people explore that or? Well, what, like what I like to explore with, with other clients is, uh, just like, have you experienced this before? Um, and what was going on, but also how did you address it then? And kind of, um, maybe not the specific situation, but how would you deal with uh, anger maybe in these smaller situations and kind of stuff like that. Okay. Um, and I think that's kind of good. And that, that's been helpful for me actually in my own personal life is yeah. kind of recognize that uh, we, well, we have a history with our emotions and that uh, even if they're overwhelming, we've, uh, we have experience with them and we've, we've confronted them before and we have, like, this is an old friend of mine. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and I have a bag of tools like to kind of address my old friend here. Right. So yeah. Right. I always, I grew up riding a school bus uh, (laughs) and I like that idea that like, all right, like you're here, you've been important to me. But like you need to move a little further back in the bus right now. We're like, hey, I don't know what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of moving these characters of my emotions or experiences even like at different places in my own school bus. Yeah, I don't. I've liked that. Did metaphor. you? 
Did you? So you said you've you've done counseling before. Right? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Did you get that from counseling, or? I may have. Okay. Yeah, I may have actually. Because I don't know if it was like a specific school bus, but it was like, I think it was like you're allowed to be at the table. I don't remember exactly the metaphor. Okay. But I think yeah. Because what did you hear just now, Rab? Yeah. Well, what did it's, you thought? You know, it's it's interesting because that's because yeah. I'm I'm trying to grow in what's called narrative therapy and. Oh. Uh, part of that is what they call externalization. Yes. Um, and it's, yeah, it's the problem is the problem, right? So. What do you mean? So the, the problem, you're not the problem. The yes. problem is the problem. Right. And uh, what a lot of people struggle with is like, that's kind of the hardest part uh, is that yes. you, you're like, there's something wrong with me. Um, I need to be fixed. But um, with uh, externalization or, well, just in general, no, it's the problem is the problem. Right. Um, and it's really good to like be able to be like, okay, like again, like here's this, here's anger on the school bus. Yeah. Anger's here. What is anger? Right. Want? It moved it outside of myself. That's yeah. right. But also it helps you recognize like your relationship with it. Like it's, yeah. um, like it anger's trying to get you to do something. Anger's yeah. trying to tell you something. And what right. is it trying to tell you? What can you say back? Right. Yeah. What can you say back? Yeah. That's super interesting. I've also um, heard about people sort of taking that thing and placing it on their hand, like on the mm. palm of their hand and sort of looking at it like a bird almost. And yeah, yeah. like once you've kind of had your moment, I don't know if it was, I don't know if I'm taking this from some other thing that we do. I don't know. But but then like you have the ability to be like, you're free to go now. Like, or, or I can yeah. choose to like bring it closer. And I've, mm-hmm. again, what was the language of this externalization? Yeah. Yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah. The problem is the problem. Brad, you're just throwing all kinds of important things down here. <laughs> Good. The I'm glad to hear The problem is the problem. <laughs> it's just like so simple, but it's incredibly profound as well. Like you're not the well, problem. The problem is the problem. Well, that's the thing. Like it, yeah, of oh. course it sounds simple, but no, it's. No, exactly. It's a, it's a relationship. I think maybe coming back to like, what's the next level, like past just like recognizing you have anger is mm-hmm. that, or just recognizing the emotion anger is that, yeah, it's, you're, you're in relationship with it. It's. Huh. You need to get to know that relationship. Right, right. So I want to do a little bit of a thought experiment okay. around spirituality okay. and anger. I'm curious about the place of anger, like in our faith experience or in our spirituality, and how we might actually find something of the mm. transcendent like in our mm. anger. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I, I'm going to kind of drop it into mm. different levels, I guess, or different areas. So if we were to kind of walk out a spiritual path, you know, in relationship with our anger, like what might it mean? I don't know if these, I don't, I don't know if I have well, these questions formed quite right. So yeah. bear with me, but what like might it mean to be angry at God? Ooh, Yeah. That's a good question. Actually, it's funny you say that because that's something uh, as I'm trying to mature in my own faith um, because, uh, well, I can say like in my Sunday school days and like being younger, like that was a thing. Like, you can't you can't be angry at God. Like, mm. what did God do wrong? Or like it's something that you didn't understand or, or something like right, that. it's you. Yeah. Mm. Um, but now it's, it's hard. It's hard to think, like, again, all the injustices in the world or even the things that have been done in God's God's name like it's hard to yeah it's hard to not be angry at God or it's mm-hmm. hard to uh be like 
I don't know. Like there's no, there's no reasonable reason to be upset with Guy Kaufman. Hmm. Like it's, um, it's tough. Um, yeah, it's interesting yeah. to think about all of the energy in all of those excuse, like not excuses, but like in all of those sort of pleas to not be angry at God. Yeah. It's a lot of energy to be like, no, I can't be angry at the divine. It's, I have to make sense of all of this injustice on my own. Even some yeah. of that being sort of like turning into shame, like, no, but I yeah. do feel something, but I'm yeah. not allowed to feel something. So yeah. I must, I must be the problem or yeah. must be my broken spirituality. Yeah. There's because, that secondary response. <laughs> yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, what if we just allowed ourselves, mm-hmm. like what, what might be for us on the other side? But that's the that's the scary existential question. It is, is the like existential question. You you're challenging your. It's a challenge to to your to world understanding to mm-hmm. yeah, right, right. So like it's, what it's do I scary. have? Scary. To... What's the next? Like what is after the that right. step of accepting those? Uh, right. Yeah. Silence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What if God doesn't say anything yeah Yeah. i'm just left here in the void (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) what if lightning strikes me because i should have known yeah (laughs) all of this imagined places yeah Hmm. i always think of um okay so i'm not i didn't go to seminary or anything like that but Mm. i i do i think of like those kind of um there there is a certain just absurdity i guess you would say to to face sometimes like i always Mm -hmm. think of like, yeah, Kierkegaard and his, whatever that book was called, but about, uh, oh, I'm getting all my mm. uh, biblical characters mixed up. I think it was Abraham. What was the one where, which one? Oh. Fear and Trembling. Fear and Trembling. Okay. Um, uh, but was That's it Abraham or he changed his name? Man, I'm getting the mix up. But yeah. when yeah. the God asked, what's his name? to uh, Abram to Abraham. There we go. Yeah. Thank you to yeah, sacrifice Abraham. Yeah, right. Or to um, Isaac, his son. Isaac. Yeah. That's the one. Thank you. <laughs> Good thing you're here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's an idea. And so uh and then at the end, like God's like, It's okay, here's a goat. Like, thanks, <laughs> thanks for your willingness to sacrifice your own son kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um I feel like I had a point. Yeah, it's just like it's an absurd situation. Yes, Why like would a God point. ever ever do that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. But also it's this idea of like um uh you I guess yeah, I don't know. I lost my point. Hmm. But there's there's a certain point where like uh we don't get to know we don't get to see far ahead kind right. of thing and sometimes yeah. uh yeah, I lost my point. It's interesting. It's big. <laughs> yeah. It's big. Yeah. We're just doing a thought experiment here. <laughs> okay. We're not yeah. trying to like narrow in on the answers. Even. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just exploring. But again, along the spiritual path. Yeah. What does it mean to be mad at others? Like when we think about, yeah, you can do what you want with that question. Again, I don't know that these questions are so wonderfully formed, but. So in a spiritual exploring. sense, if we're yeah. mad at other people. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah, I think I'm, I just was kind of breaking it down into like anger at God, anger with others, and anger at ourselves. And okay. seeing spirituality in kind of a whole sense, um, mm. you know, uh, sort of even like mm. faith communities even, mm-hmm. or uh, I mean, I'm sure we've all been pretty disappointed by people who 
have been in leadership or, uh, you know, sort mm. of were leading us through a season in life and then deeply disappointed us mm. uh, in terms of our faith community. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, the first thing that comes to my mind with that is kind of, uh, how would I phrase this? It's, uh, yeah, well, don't quote me on this, but the thing that comes <laughs> to my mind is just, it's almost like, because one of the okay, one of the things, not to bring it back to like the level of like God, but like I've never understood uh, like God's anger yes, in a certain okay. sense. Yeah. Uh, um, but I almost think like talking about like the community and like uh, the body of the church and stuff like that, it almost seems like um, anger is important in the sense that like that's that's how we know that our spirituality is important to us. Yeah. And that, um, even within this body, uh, it's important and that, right. uh, there's a lot of diversity and difference in it. We need, it's just a sign of like, let's talk. Like, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I just, I think it's an important signal kind of thing. Right. There's um, something about our vulnerability in it too. Yeah, like yeah. I, if I'm mad at you, I maybe I've been hurt by you. Yeah, exactly. And like, that means like we're quite interconnected. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And when you let me down. Like, I feel that deeply. Um, not yeah. you personally, Brad. You have yeah. <laughs> But almost, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's almost like a sense of like, like we're all equal in a sense. Like even right. in uh, like, yeah, like pastoral roles and stuff right. like that. But um, like pastors are accountable too. And they can't yeah. just be like, well, th- from my authority, like this is how the church should be kind of thing. Right. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's my rift. There you that's go. That's <laughs> great. That's great. Good riff. Um, so the last one about, you know, again, this spiritual path. And I like that you did that, actually. You, like, went into the theme I mentioned and then pulled us back into, maybe that's a good way, like, pulled okay. us back into the divine. Yeah. But what does it mean for our spiritual lives to be mad at ourselves? Hmm. And I'm thinking about maybe guilt or, you know, like, uh, like, sin <laughs> you know, right like, yeah. we don't love that word a lot yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know like sometimes i really f up and i'm really like i'm really bummed about that yeah like i i actually think there is something yeah to our spiritual selves when we're mad at ourselves like there's hold on okay i feel because i hold up i before <laughs> i i answer i feel like you have yeah there's there's more to that like what's that okay. what's that sense where that's coming from like what's, I so I don't mean to like, not, where's that coming from? But there's, there's an intuition there. I can see it. And what, right. where, tell me more of that. Where am I coming from? I think, I think about transformation a lot, you okay. know, and I think about just being really like honest with our, with myself. Okay. Uh, okay. And that, and that there's like invitation for me to, I mean, be better. Like, and like, that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it means like, I have to be on, like, maybe I am like, mm-hmm. well, I'm bummed that I behaved this way. Like mm-hmm. that didn't only affect me, it like affected these people I care about. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm honestly not thinking of something specific, maybe just being like petty sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, and there's, I, I, yeah. I, yeah. So, okay. So two things that just makes me think of, sometimes I feel like, again, like, so anger is, more of an alert, more of an alarm. Alert, so yeah. it's, um, so it's something that mattered to you, mm-hmm. even something you did. It's it, it, like we betray ourselves sometimes. Like that, my yeah. own values. I betray my own values. Yeah. yeah. 
but it's kind of good in the sense that yeah. you're like you get to recognize that yeah. and it's, it's a chance to to grow um and that's the thing i think that's what's interesting about like our faith is like forgiveness is the biggest thing mm-hmm. right so um we can make mistakes and yeah. it's okay yeah and you know what even to the people we make mistakes too like um they can forgive us right. like um we yeah it's okay it's take me somewhere but uh that's the thing is that sometimes i think uh when we struggle with uh, an emotion or with with anger specifically um we want to get uptight and like okay how can i control this how can i fix this hmm. um but i think sometimes it's it's good to know that even when you hurt another person they they have some control over the hmm. situation right um and even when you realize you screwed up and you want to fix it um sometimes you have to let the other person to uh I'm not saying fix it themselves, but mm. you almost have to offer yourself to it mm. um, and request like forgiveness and they get to uh, forgive you. Mm-hmm. I think the point I'm trying to make, like, <laughs> um, well, there, there's sometimes I think when, when we screw up or whatever, um, we want to fix it. We just want to get rid of that feeling kind of right. thing. Um, but sometimes that's not necessarily the best because there's another person um, that needs to have their emotions uh, acknowledged and um, allowed to have some control over that situation or how you're feeling right now too Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, It's an opportunity to maybe, um, the word coming to my mind is like remake, you know, like if, Mm -hmm. and and grow together in a way that's like without that experience, you wouldn't have that particular... Um, texture of intimacy or something yeah and it's a it's a chance to grow and it's a yeah. chance to maybe that's what i was saying way back that anger is important in in a the christian community or in the church is like uh it's a chance to grow it's a chance yeah. to uh know each other and even ourselves better in a, right. in a weird sense which then makes me want to like take it all the way back up to like our resistance of feeling anger towards the divine mm-hmm. and think like well if if anger in my um, relationships could could offer me uh this strengthening and this closeness and this opportunity for forgiveness i always want to think like how much more so mm-hmm. you know with the divine if like that's how we work mm-hmm. how much more so could that be true mm-hmm. with the divine but i think and I, you used this word before it's like but it's a vulnerable you yeah. have to in a sense offer yourself and mm-hmm. be vulnerable right um and sometimes that's that stuff like i you don't get to know what, what yeah that looks it's like so afterwards. risky yeah it's risky yeah but then yeah but then who knows like if we can take that step with the divine like yeah it's also an opportunity like i this might be something amazing that, right like, who, who knows it might, it might be... transcend to another to a spiritual plane there you go <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> just looking at the themes i still have i'm i almost wonder if we should do like a choose your own adventure (laughs) okay (laughs) so we could talk about anger in different stages of like human development you know Mm -hmm. like anger with kids teenagers adults even the elderly uh or we could talk about the way that anger is seen in like more gendered ways sort of okay well we could talk about that 
or we could talk about public anger and sort of protest or cultural rage or something. So okay, what's interesting to you? Choose your own adventure. Oh, man. Well, they're all interesting. Yeah. Um, but the last one, I feel like, what's your thoughts for that? I feel like there's oh, an intuition man. behind that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am quite, I would say one of my, you know, sort of core values has to do with justice. Mm. And I think there's some of the reading I've done in the last year has been uh, allowing me to kind of reimagine anger and more healthy ways in terms of like fuel against larger systems. So I think Mm. about protest and, uh, and I guess I just have like lots of curiosity about that. Like when it pulls us into like better places, when it, uh, maybe burns us down <laughs> somehow or, right. you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of great language for it, but I was thinking about, you know, anger that fuels protest, anger that allows us to resist something, uh, anger that even like moves us towards liberation, mm-hmm. maybe for more marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, it's like the the just anger, right? Like, mm, yes. Um, like I think that kind of fits well with what we've kind of been saying. Like, it's it's well, it's good because it lets it, it's important. It's mm-hmm. a clear sign that uh, whatever the injustice is is it's an important thing. Mm-hmm. It's important to people. It impacts people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting <laughs> to me. Yeah. There have been some. Uh, I've listened to some podcasts in the last number of months around. And I don't know any of this data off the top of my head, but there was a time, you know, in the last 50 years where public protest actually led to real social change. Mm-hmm. And the numbers about that being true anymore, like we have more protest, but it actually leading to real social change. Mm. It's, it's, it caused me great grief <laughs> because I thought like, what else can we do? You know, what do you think about Arab spring or like all of the ways that public protest ended up with incredible backlash? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know how exactly what's, to fit that into our theme, but what, what's our revolution? What's the next step? Yeah. That we need to take? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess from the people I've read, so I like, I'm going to butcher his name. Slavoj you Zizek? love this guy yeah, I was yeah. hoping you'd bring him okay. up <laughs> um but he 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 says an interesting thing like like the, the in terms of like revolution the big issue really is that we don't have or there there needs to be a developed like view of what the future would look like exactly. what other system could we have besides capitalism yeah or, yeah like I remember he said uh what was the Wall Street? Um, what, I'm forgetting oh, what the term oh, for Oh, Occupy Wall, Occupy, yeah. Wall Street, yeah. Like his whole thing was, I remember then he was saying that uh, it's good that we're doing this and protesting these things, but what's next? Like we need to think about the day after yeah. the revolution and his... Like it's not enough just to say no, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. Because like, we have to reorganize afterwards. And he, I think his, like his thinking is that like, yeah, if you... Because revolution, right, is supposed to destabilize and kind of change up the hierarchy. But um, sometimes that's where, like, power vacuums happen and kind of reactionary movements can happen and stuff like that who are like, well, we'll bring order for you kind of thing. So uh, Populism. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but for him, it's like, no, we need to have, we need to think instead of act. That's who he would say. Is oh, our, interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, like need to have a view of a future to, to fight for it. Huh. We've been yeah. talking about Walter Brueggemann in our series on Jonah and quoted him. We often quote anything like, especially Old Testament Brueggemann, I call him the Bruges in the my Bruges. mind, okay. uh, it often gets thrown in. He's just an incredible thinker, but he wrote a book called The Prophetic Imagination. Hmm. And I would be curious to look through it again. You know, I hmm. have, it's a book on my shelf uh, and I have it all marked up. I'd be curious to look through it in light of like, we need to think. Did he say not act or not just act? Um, yeah, I know. I don't want to misquote. I yeah. think he said at least to the effect that we should resist the idea to act. Um, and what we need to do is Mm. to think. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've always found that interesting because he, uh, um, he thought that, yeah, I guess today, like for him, um, the, the culture, our culture kind of pushes us to act. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's the culture we're trying to like resist against kind of thing. Interesting. So yeah. We kind of, I think his idea is that we kind of get trapped and just, we're just like chasing our own tail around or something. Like there's something sort of cyclical about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rather than like, yeah. Busting out of that into an imagined future. That's better. So as we get close to the end of our conversation, what I would love to hear you talk about is what we are going to need to know about anger or resentment uh, in this moment of a pandemic, Mm. but especially when we emerge from it or like, Mm. you know, when we start looking over our shoulder at this thing, Mm -hmm. what should we be aware of? Uh, I mean, you could speak more broadly than just about the theme of anger, quite frankly. You can leave that aside if you'd like. But what should we be paying attention to uh, Mm. in ourselves? Um, how we feel, <laughs> but, <laughs> but honestly, like, so good. like, well, for right now, like, I think what's important is to, is to recognize like we're allowed, you're, we're in a pandemic. We're allowed to be upset. We're allowed to feel, um, like it's a struggle cause it is a struggle and that doesn't make anyone weak or that they have an issue or like that. No, it's, that's. This is the the situation we're in, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, not not to minimize. I've been saying like it's an opportunity and stuff like that a lot. Um, but I think right now it is kind of a chance for some people who are again in safe, relatively safer situations, mm-hmm. um, and uh, who really do have a chance to kind of get to know themselves. But I think it is a chance to get to get to know yourself and recognize what your your boundaries are um and um what are some things you new skills you want to learn or kind Mm of heck even in 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 the broad sense like now that we're kind of uh for some people in this kind of point of reprieve like maybe think about what's what's important to Mm -hmm. us or what's um what do i want to spend after the pandemic my time with Mm -hmm. kind of stuff um but I think what also, I guess for right now, what is really important too is I think um, in terms of managing is kind of uh, learning how we can kind of um, going back to the zones of regulation. Like we will feel like we're in the red zone or even the yellow zone and kind of 
what are some ways that we can kind of get into the green zone? Mm. If that, if that makes any sense. No, it totally makes sense. I Um, think it just having uh, some more language and even that image is helpful. Cause again, I can think be curious, but I'm like, ah, but like talking myself. uh, Yeah. Well, and it's, it's also recognizing like, um, even when you're in the red zone, you're not, you will, you're just, things are too intense. Um, you sort of flooded or flooded. So it's important to kind of address that first before mm-hmm. trying to do these, these, right. Uh, yeah. I, and like just taking deep breaths. Like, exactly. And I yeah. have a little app on my phone that I use for, uh, some breathing and it, mm-hmm. it like, it's a wheel so it says like inhale and then hold and then yeah. exhale. And you just, it's so helpful because when I'm trying to do it myself to try to like drop yeah. myself back down to <laughs> the yeah. ground rather than like those sort of anxious places, I'm just, I can't get my breath. I can't, yeah. but if I can focus on this, this thing telling me inhale, okay, I can do that right now mm-hmm. and hold, I can do that right now and exhale I can do that right now. And it is incredible Mm -hmm. to feel the physiological shift in me when I do however many seven of those, like, and that's, well, that's the, we're connected to our bodies and that's important because what happens like, well, this is going to happen more is that you're going to click into your fight, flight or freeze system. right? Right. Um, so it's good to have strategies to kind of get you out of that system. Cause Mm -hmm. yeah. I was going to say, I, I think the app's called MindShift. It's an app that I found recently, but it's, okay. it's really good. It's for anxiety. Uh, okay. Um, I think it was done by Anxiety Canada. Oh, interesting. Um, really good tool. It's free. Um, and uh, it has like pre-recorded like mindfulness activities. Oh, I love that. Um, and even some CBT um, strategies to kind of oh, help with your what anxious is CBT? thoughts. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Great. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, so yeah, nice. it's, it's a handy resource. There's lots of tools available. And that's, right? yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is like, there is, they keep rolling them out, but there's a lot of resources coming out. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I should have uh, made a list, but oh, yeah. Um, Even that one is great. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Having something someone can check out. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, I think they're free or like cheap, uh, cheaper sessions or therapy kind of out there too yeah. for people in need and stuff like that. Right, so totally. it's worth looking that up. And, it really yeah. is. And I have a good friend who talks about, she has a law degree and, you know, undergrad degree. And she said the best degree that's not hanging on her wall is the degree she has from therapy. Like just God. like how much it gave to her life to yeah. do that work and to spend money on herself. And those yeah. times in life is is like, that's not insignificant. It can be like, oh, I shouldn't, I don't have the money for this, but actually it can, it can be pretty powerful to invest yeah. some of that money into yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a good way to put it. It's in investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can yeah. change your life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brad, how are you taking good care in this time? Oh man. Um, yeah. I'm trying to allow myself to feel okay, <laughs> what good. I'm feeling yeah. uh, big time. Yeah. Um, but I'm also trying to ramp up the things that kind of fill my tank. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying to read. Yeah. Um, not that I was doing this before, but hey, it's a good chance to start doing some push-ups and some <laughs> burning off some of this energy right. while I'm stuck in the house right. and stuff like I that. I think right? that's really it. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And trying then, of something. course, even though I'm not in the same room with my friends and family, but those yeah. connections. Yeah. 
doing that holding them, zoom holding them. or facetime yeah. yeah that's great um where can can people find you if they were interested in like having another conversation with you um i'm trying to remember what my email is mm-hmm. but uh the organization i work for is called cultivate so you great. can find me on that web page thank you so much i loved all of it oh, and i think it's really timely to have this conversation we were already yeah. going to have this conversation because i'm doing a series on anger yeah <laughs> uh and i was really interested in like getting your take on some of that but again it just kind of like opened up uh even more relevance for yeah. us in this moment so thank you for your time today oh, thanks for too. leaving your house yeah now we'll all go home <laughs> yeah <laughs> sanitize exactly (laughs) it's great it's great my name is john and i help bobby make the episodes for between sundays towards the end of this episode it takes a turn towards the philosophical with talk of zizek and i'll be honest i haven't really read enough of zizek to have a firm grasp of him yet but if you are listening closely you'll hear what is likely my only on-air appearance for this season the invoking of my guy kierkegaard His book, Fear and Trembling, has a very crucial and specific role in my own spiritual journey, and I'll take any chance I can to shout him out. Also, if you're looking for healthy examples of anger from a Christian perspective, you could probably do worse than reading some liberation theology in the vein of James Cone or Gustavo Gutierrez. Between Sundays is a production of Commons Church and the Commons Podcast Network. Bobby Sockold is the host, and Jonathan Petkow is the producer. Artwork by Angie Ishak. Special thanks to Brad Lewis for coming to hang out with us. You can follow us on Instagram at BTW Sundays. Thanks, everyone.